Institute exists to help in the great and continuing work of building a more equal, open, tolerant and independent Australia. I do not for a moment believe that we should set limits on what we can achieve together for our country, for our people, for our future. Welcome to the Whitlam Institute podcast. Wherever you are tuning in from around Australia, we are all on the lands of the First Nations peoples. This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Darug people of the Darug Nation, and I pay my respects to their elders. Each year, the Whitlam Institute within Western Sydney University awards the E.G. Whitlam Research Fellowship to an experienced academic to carry out research that continues the legacy of Gough Whitlam and the issues his government championed. Dr. Alexandra Coleman, our 2020 fellow, focused her research on class, place and higher education. As part of her project, she spoke to working class students and graduates from Cranebrook and its surrounding suburbs in Western Sydney to better understand their experiences, particularly the barriers they face when they finish university and begin to enter the workforce. Dr Coleman's research is focused on Gough Whitlam's quality of life agenda and in her essay, Whitlam, Western Sydney and the Promise of University, she explores advancing Whitlam's belief that everybody should have equal access to a good quality education, regardless of where they grow up, what school they attend and what connections they have. In this podcast, Dr Coleman talks about undertaking the research and how her own story ties into it. Lakshmi Lagathasan and Professor James Avanatakis provide their perspectives and insights on the research as well, highlighting why this is a timely conversation, particularly in Western Sydney. First, I'd like to introduce Dr Coleman. She'll take it from here. Education was part of the Whitlam government's broader quality of life agenda for Western Sydney. For Whitlam, all Australians, no matter where they lived, should have access to the same social, cultural and economic opportunities. Embedded in Whitlam's quality of life agenda is a valuing of diverse ways of being. Whitlam recognised against conventional and enduring understandings of Western Sydney as a site of lack and stagnation that for its residents, Western Sydney could be the site of a good life, a place they could live out their version of the Australian dream. But Whitlam also understood that Western Sydney's residents experienced a poorer quality of life than their neighbours in Sydney's east. Whitlam with his quality of life agenda for Western Sydney enlarged the Australian dream to include much more than home ownership and the quarter acre block fantasy, but education too. Okay, so where are we now? As most of you in the room will know, since Whitlam's time, the policy landscape has radically transformed. Whitlam's version of social democracy has been supplanted by neoliberal forms of governance that privilege the individual over collective forms of existence. As Megan Watkins' research shows, the rewards of higher education are unevenly distributed. It matters where you go to university, your class background still matters, and place still matters too. So Philip O'Neill's research shows that Western Sydney has a growing population of degree holders, a quarter of Sydney's total, and that these graduates are staying put. Yet the region continues to be spatially disadvantaged, particularly in those sectors where graduates are seeking work, which are concentrated in Sydney's east, not west. 
Successive governments have invested in higher education in Western Sydney, but they have not invested in the relocation of knowledge economy jobs to the region. So to my research. So my qualitative research on the experiences of working class students and graduates from Cranebrook and its surrounds in the Penrith region also reveals that students and graduates are staying put. Out of the 26 participants I interviewed, only six moved away. Going to university was not necessarily about class escape and escape from place. Doing well involved finding suitable employment close to home and staying put in Penrith, again, a region not conventionally seen to be the site of a good life. For the research participants, Penrith was instead a place of community, familiarity, security and possibility. Here was somewhere they could live out their version of the Australian dream. They enjoyed the spaciousness of suburbia as, be, as well as being close to family and friends. And small-scale distinctions that operate in Cranebrook and the wider Penrith region and Western Sydney also shape their visions of a good life. Doing well sometimes involved degrees of social mobility in place, moving to a better house or a better street or a better neighbourhood in Penrith. Not all graduates, however, were able to achieve their version of a good life in Penrith. As mentioned, Western Sydney lacks graduate opportunities. And for 10 of the 20 graduates in my study who stayed put in Penrith, this involved long periods of waiting for graduate employment or reorienting careers and finding work in non-graduate roles. Elise, who I wrote about in my conversation article for the Whitlam Institute, is an example. So she has a Bachelor of Communications and works for a marketing agency in Sydney CBD. She described the three-hour commute to her workplace as difficult and said that her colleagues often made wounding jokes about Penrith, you know, about women being skanky, about people wearing tracksuits. Rather than move closer to the CBD, Elise was on the lookout for a new job in Penrith, even like admin. That's a quote from her. Work that does not necessarily use her qualifications but is closer to home, a move that also involves a facing class and geographical differences. The pull of home reorients Elisa's movements in the social world and her desire to find work locally in non-graduate employment works to curb her experience of upward social mobility. Now, in 1997, Whitlam stood before an audience at the launch of the Trade Union Education Foundation and asked, may I suggest, ladies and gentlemen, despite the vast changes at home and abroad, for all the great achievements and setbacks, the themes of 1969 retain a resonance and relevance for 1999. Five decades on, the themes of 1969, so Whitlam's quality of life agenda for the region, and his radical reforms to democratise education, continue to be relevant. Western Sydney continues to be spatially disadvantaged and its residents continue to experience a poorer quality of life than Sydney's other regions. This means that not everyone can reproduce their version of a good life. If we want real and lasting reform, we cannot focus on widening participation alone, but we need to take a regional and structural approach to the redistribution of opportunity, as Whitlam once did. Our second speaker today, I think, is known to most of you. Professor James Avanatakis is the Pro Vice-Chancellor at Western Sydney University for Engagement and Advancement. He's also a lecturer in the humanities and a member of Western Sydney University's Institute for Culture and Society.
Seven out of ten students at Western, at, from the Western suburbs were leaving Western Sydney to go to university, to Sydney, to UTS, to UNSW. People don't need to leave the West to, have, um, to, have, to sort of drive this pursuit of their cultural desires. What is lacking is, um, I suppose, often some, some infrastructure and some funding. Um, and I suppose this is where the university can work with community to try and confront those barriers, that we're not a wasteland, that it is an incredibly dynamic environment, and that excellence and equity aren't opposites, neither is inclusion and striving for elite results. There's an interesting contradiction uh, for, for us when a lot of students come to university, um, and that is that sometimes um, we're just as classist as, say, our friends at Sydney University. One of the challenges is that we often perceive excellence and equity as being separate. And as someone who gives away scholarships, um, it's important to recognise the fact that those two things aren't in competition with each other, those things actually work together. Our third, by, but by no means least speaker today, is Lakshmi Logathasan. Lakshmi graduated from Western Sydney University in 2018 with a Bachelor of International Studies and Bachelor of Law. She's lived in Western Sydney her whole life. She was born and raised in Auburn and currently lives in Holsworthy. All three case studies in the essay explore this oscillation between home and career and trying to reconcile the differences between both. Many Western Sydney graduates experience these frictions. At home, where your family don't quite understand the work that you do. Uh, the commute means that you have to leave home early in the morning, come home late at night, you're never around to help, you're never around for fun, friction, friction, friction. At work, there aren't many other Western Sydney folk. The big smoke is unfamiliar, it's daunting, you can't relate. People make dry, ignorant Westie jokes, more friction, more tension, you want to leave. In the essay, Courtney's reflections were particularly poignant for me. The struggle of a casually employed teaching graduate working part-time at a supermarket and desperately trying to secure permanent, full-time employment. She feels like she's a burden to her family. She feels like she's been lied to because she was told that if she was willing to work in Western Sydney, she'd get a job. And she feels unable to make an informed choice about how best to progress her career and reap the rewards of her education. The essay captures Courtney's state of waiting as follows. Courtney's story is one of optimism followed by disillusionment. There is very little agency here. Increased consciousness and economic realities produce a radical disenchanting and sense of powerlessness. These words are particularly poignant for me because my graduate journey could have easily ended up in a very similar place. Objectively, my transition from uni to work it was seamless. But the fact is, it had more to do with luck than method. At uni, I was a proactive, engaged, 110% there kind of a person. President of the Western Sydney University branch of 180 Degrees Consulting, Vice President of the Law Society, I was actively involved in the academy. I undertook a semester of study abroad followed by an internship as a New Colombo Plan Singapore scholar. It may seem baffling that a student like me could have not had my entire graduate application process mapped out. But in the same breath, for someone like me, 
who didn't know anything about getting employed in a legal profession, who didn't know anyone in the law, and was the first in my family to study law, I now know it is entirely possible that I could somehow journey through most of university in total oblivion. Even with all of the experiences and opportunities I had, having met so many people along the way. It was the conversations that I didn't have, the questions that I didn't know to ask, the questions that people didn't think to ask me, the chatter I didn't hear, the things I couldn't see between the lines, all of these that I could've, should've, might've, but didn't, that rendered me very unprepared. Unfortunate, seemingly impossible, but the reality of unequal access to opportunity, information, and know-how. My first chance running with Graduate Pathways was in my penultimate year, exactly when they tell you to not start preparing for this stuff. As the newly elected Vice President of the Law Society for the Careers and Education portfolio, no irony at all, I was given a slim handover folder that mentioned something about clerkships and these events that I apparently had to run. After hosting a very successful classrooms events programs where we had students spilling into the corridors at every event, I had really absorbed all of the advice and gleaned that clerkships were really for students who wanted to pursue commercial law, without of course seeing the subtext that it was the main graduate pathway for law students. On a whim, on the day that applications were due, I put in one clerkship application, got to the final stage, didn't get an offer, then took all of my learnings from that one application and then applied for four graduate programs in my final year and received four graduate offers. Like I said, more luck than method and only, frankly, a few steps away from feeling the regret, disenchantment and that little sense of agency. As the essay recommends, university can and needs to do more to better equip and support students with professional career advice throughout university and in the years after graduation. This is not just the smart thing to do, but it is important to ensure that we uphold our ethical and social responsibility to our graduates to ensure that they are equipped with a sense of agency and aren't left helpless. The essay illustrates the realities of a system that has encouraged widespread uptake of tertiary education in Western Sydney, but in the same breath has failed to provide equal access to promised jobs and opportunities. Now, what would be more unequal and unjust than that is if those jobs eventually came to Western Sydney but were still out of reach for the people of Western Sydney. As many of you would be aware, the Western Parkland City will be the home of 200,000 new knowledge jobs by 2038. There is great work being done to develop new education and training models to better align between jobs need, training and skills. All the signs look promising and there is strong intent for uptake of these jobs by the human capital of Western Sydney. But we can't look away because intent and execution don't always meet eye to eye. And to get this right, we need to be persistent. In 2019, I got the chance to explore the urban regeneration story of Canary Wharf in East London. 
In the shadows of this great economic story is a story of displacement, deprivation, powerlessness, extreme income inequality and simmering social tensions. The authorities at Canary Wharf have been working for years to right the wrong of this social impact. Yet, 30 years on, Canary Wharf sits as a fortress in the middle of Tower Hamlets, one of the most socially deprived municipalities of London, where only one in 10 residents of Tower Hamlets actually work in Canary Wharf. If there is one learning of this for Western Sydney, it is that we cannot simply trust someone else to get this right for us. We, the people of Western Sydney, who know and understand Western Sydney and its people, need to make our voices heard, we need to be involved, and we need to be at the table providing frank and fearless advice. Because at the end of the day, we need to make sure that the ordinary person in Western Sydney is not left betrayed and reaps the benefit of the promise of jobs that is coming to our region.